Welcome back to the Diaries of the Wild Ones. Now, this podcast you're about to hear is the first recording that I ever did. And it's again with Matt Brown from the podcast Matt Brown Presents. Now, we're doing the sound test and while we're doing it, we're just talking and he asked me why I was doing a podcast. And he ended up just pressing the record button. So this, this comes in with me telling why I'm doing a podcast and then it just, we just go tit for tat with travel stories. And it's so much fun, some really good travel advice in there. And it's, it's just great story time. So I think you're really going to enjoy it because I had so much fun. You can hear my excitement at the end. So enjoy. A lot of people are always asking me to tell them stories or hear stories that I haven't always want to hear about them. So there's two things here is that I'm really bad at having a diary and keeping a diary. I've never done I'm bad at taking photos. I just don't do it. So everything's just memory kind of based yeah and i thought this would be a good way to kind of like keep those memories to record a few stories that i have but on the other hand too is i meet so many people along the way that have these crazy travel adventure stories and one of my favorite things to do in life is to sit down you know have a beer and just hear these stories that keep you on the edge of your seat with with, that has that raw adventure and i'm not talking about People going to Bali and sitting in Chungu or staying at a four-star four resort. I, I in this don't want to hear that. No. I don't want to hear about how you've, yeah, you've gone to Bali and you, some guy took you around on a scooter because you were absolutely hammered. It's not no, for me. I don't want to hear about going on a cruise to Vanuatu. Not that that's bad. I'm, I think that any traveling opens your mind, but I think there's just all different levels. If, no, if yeah, that's this the right is, way to say. We're trying to get into like raw adventure as in like, and we're wrong place, wrong time kind of stuff. Um, so, I don't know, hiking. Which both of us have, uh, <laughs> yeah, have yeah, been wrong, Yeah, wrong, t- yeah, wrong place, wrong time. And, so, that's, and that's where that, that's where those, a lot of people have called me and told me, you know, some crazy stories and they're freaking out, um, you know, asking what to do, looking for advice and everything. And I'm saying, and one thing I always kind of tell them to, to kind of bring them back from that negative side of what's just happened to them is like, hey, you've just got this really cool story to tell. At the end of the day, all this this crazy event just happened in your life, at least you're left with a good story. Oh, without a doubt. I, like all my travel stories in some way has like shaped me in, in some weird way. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, how many countries have you been to Ooh, off your head? I don't know. You know what? I've, I've been to a lot quite a few times, but I think I would have done around 30 Maybe, which isn't much, it, and it's not much on my bucket list. But, but I, I wonder if you have. I wonder if it's actually lower. Oh, sorry. If it's, I wonder if it's actually higher. And you just haven't realized it. It might. Well, I filled a passport and a half. Yeah. Um, and I bought. It, I got a thick passport when I started traveling. <laughs> it was pretty. But like, it's um, but it. I don't know. I've met a lot of people that have done a lot of countries, and I don't think it's about that. I think it's about the experiences you had. And one thing that I always try to do is when I find a good spot is stay and hang out there and actually really dive into the culture and actually what's happening in that spot. It could could just be like some little town somewhere. You just go in, you find like you kind of get into that rhythm of the town or that rhythm of that culture where – and that's the thing. Everything – like we like where we've grown up, we've got this perception of what real, what normality is, what mm. normal life is. And then suddenly you travel and you're in this little village in Indonesia and you've got like 
what they perceive as normal life and to experience that is something that it just it just that for me is just such raw adventure to sit there get up in the morning you're sleeping in some little hay hut you get up the old guy down the road every morning gets up and he goes fishing he's coming back just after sunrise they're smoking the fish on the side of the the road oh there's a little lady you know making um jamu juice passing around which is like a turmeric little health turmeric ginger kind of tonic thing and you're seeing the every day-to-day life of what's normal for them and that's when you trip out and when you that's when you learn when you take yourself back and you realize what we perceive as normal is just it's just a different type of normal like like where we grew up yeah i know what you mean what we obviously you know we grew up we grew up on the gold coast and palm beach on the gold coast and like life there was it's so easy and then you go fun. to you go to a country <laughs> where you don't speak the language and it's third world and you have no idea what you're doing or how to survive yeah and, and i think and you, then you have to you literally nature takes over you've got to you've got to survive and yeah you learn. i think this is where people oh no one makes mistakes traveling any traveling is beneficial it's 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 a relax it's freedom it's adventure it's open-mindedness now what got me into traveling and i wish that i could take go back in time and do it even more raw like so what got me into traveling was a photo that was at um my friend's house of his dad and his dad was on a bike in south america with his brother and was riding through south america back in the 70s and i saw that and i I talked to his dad and um he was telling me how he went through indonesia back then he used to travel by boats yeah. He used to sail across. He was used to get, walk through Indonesia, through Java back in the day when there was, um, oh, I don't know, I don't know. He just, the rawness of the traveling he did. And then when I went traveling, right, so when I first traveled, there was no Wi-Fi, there was no nothing like that, but it was like, we're still staying in hostels and we weren't, but it, was, it wasn't that rawness and that's what I tried but you to, got that rawness. I got that rawness because me and a couple of mates bought a yacht looking for that rawness and we well, sailed around Asia. Well, I think you already, ha- <laughs> I think you already had it. I think I think you already had that rawness because I only travelled because you obviously convinced me to do it. You, I think you'd already been travelling for like a year and a half, maybe two yeah. years at, when the, you, at the time when you met us. Yeah, I was backpacking. So, yeah, I was up to about a year and a half. By the time I travelled with you when I was twenty-one, I think that's a long, that's a while back now. So, so I can't 22. remember. You would have been twenty-two, and yeah, the only reason I travelled was because you did. And when I got there, and which was Chile, it was the first country that we went to. It was. <laughs> He took me, yeah. So you took me from Australia, English speaking Australia to Spanish speaking Chile. I had no idea how to speak English. I'd never been to another country, freaking out. And, and, you know, and I, I rocked up and you just knew you, you knew how to, how to survive. You knew what, what things were worth in that country. I remember we were talking about how you were so tight. I thought you were so tight with your money, but you were thinking in the dollar of the country. You weren't thinking in, well, yeah, I was thinking about what, what stuff was worth there. And it, and it, this is where people think, I've met a lot of people that travel really cheap and I have been one of those people. Yeah. But when it does come to money and traveling and it comes down to what it's worth for that experience. So, for instance, I remember we were in Thailand in Koh Phi years ago with my mate Mitch. And Mitch and I both at the time were really cheap because we didn't have much money and we're backpacking. We're trying to... Yeah. make it last as long as because once we're done the difference was then to now because now i splurge and i do spend a bit of money yeah on myself when i travel and the difference is is that now i have the means to be able to make money back at home with my career where back then when i was a a younger when i was a 
You're living off what you had. Yeah, I was living off what I had, and yeah. I didn't have means to make good money. So once it was done, I was back in Australia. Yeah, and you had to start to, again. Yeah, starting again. Back so, at parents' place. But we're in, yeah, back at my mum and dad's. So we're in um, PP Island, and I remember they had these hostel. They had this hostel way out out the back, way behind all the bars and the beach, and away from everything. But it was three dollars a dorm room a night, right? Yeah. And Mitch is like, nah, let's stay here. Let's stay here. And I said, and I said, let's just go have a look around. Let's see what we can get. Maybe we can get something for the two of us, you know, that's put our money in together. And we only found these bungalows on the beach that were $8.50 a night. They were up on the beach, close to town, $8.50 out of double, like two single beds. I think we ended up getting one with just a double bed because that's all they had left. And we just shared the bed. But the thing was, Mitch still wanted to go. He was set in this frame of mind that, no, it's $3. It's cheaper, cheaper, cheaper. So, well, this is only... A dollar twenty-five cents more a night, right? But what it's going to give us with that dollar twenty-five cents more is a better experience. Yeah. So it's like we're going to be staying. We're going to have a nicer place, closer to town, on the beach with a good view. What would you rather? And I just remember he got a bit of anxiety thinking about it. Like he just wasn't convinced. And after the first night of staying there, he was just like, "Wow, this is like so much better kind of thing." And I said, "Yeah, it isn't about being cheap and taking the cheapest option." It's about what your money is going to be worth. And like for me, spending $100 a night on a three-star or four-star hotel in Asia, to me that it's not that I'm being cheap wanting to take the $5 option. It's just that that's what I would rather do. That's what's better for me and my money will go longer with that. So, I don't know. That's that's for me anyway. Where it, other people, they're more comfortable with it's that. T- it's, it's a tough thing, like, especially because you're spending your money and you, especially with different exchange rates, you don't know how far your money really goes because you're out of your own country. Yeah. Well, that's why I can't, when you look in the dollar of that country where you go, there's a lot of detrimental things that you can do too by spending too much money. For one, you make yourself a, ma- a massive target. Yeah. You make yourself a massive target. So, when you are showing, when I travel, I have the money that I need yeah. in my wallet and I have extra money hidden in my wallet. So, if cops ever pull you, if anyone ever gets you, you go to buy something, you open up your wallet, it doesn't look like you have much. Right, and if you need extra money, it's hidden in there. And straight up, because when I first travelled, it used to have the wad in there, and people do it. Do you? Did you? Ha- do you have a lot of run-ins with like where police try to sort of scam you? So many, so many. How often? I haven't been to many countries that don't have corrupt police, yeah. other than uh, uh, other than you know, obviously Canada, America, oh, Spain. They can still Australia. be corrupt. There. They can just still in be a different corrupt. way, <laughs> just in a different way. But as in most of the third world countries that we consider what we consider third world, yeah, um, yeah, it's actually a shame. Actually, Mexico had really legitimate police. I agree. I've, I've got been a there. funny story yeah. for you. <laughs> Again, so I'm in Mexico. I was there for about two months, um, and I was coming towards. Was the- this the same t- year that I went? Yeah, okay, so this is the, the end of the trip with you. So, yeah. I was in Mexico. I was traveling through Mexico and then after no, was, that- So, that was 2009, was 2009, yeah. It was 2009, yeah. So, after Mexico, I had America for a couple of weeks and then I went to Tahiti. Then I came home to Australia and actually had still had some money left over and I went traveling again. But I was in Mexico right at the end. I was freaking out that I didn't have enough money for America and everything. And Yeah. And I thought, oh, I'm going to come up with this brilliant scam, you know? <laughs> no, because everyone was telling me to tra- claim stuff with travel insurance. Now, this is never... I tried it once. It didn't work. I haven't found it working for other people. Now, 
I thought it was going to work because I was young and stupid. Yeah. So I made up this plan. I'm like, I go to my mate Mitch. I'm like, I'm going to go up to the cop shop because they're all corrupt police, you know. I'm just going to go in and say, hey, my surfboard's got stolen. Can I please get a police report? Yeah. They're going to write me out a police report and I'll be on my way. And, go and be done. And be done. So, what happened? So, Mitch is like, oh, I don't know if I can be bothered coming. I'm like, come on, man. Just come up into town with us. Come on. So, I haven't thought through the story. I just thought I'd go up and tell him my surfboard's got stolen. So, we go out and we get in the Collectiva. Now, Collectiva in Mexico is like these utes with a cage on the back. So, they're like utility vehicles. Yes, I've seen with them. With a cage on the back. And, you, and they just drive up and down the town like... Have one route, and you pull them over. You give them a wave. You jump in the back, or you hold onto the cage. And when you're ready to get off, you hit a doorbell, yep. and then you give them ten pesos or whatever it is. I can't remember. Now, so we go up into town. We go to we go to the police station, and I go up and say, "Oh, look, I've I've been been robbed." And they said, "Oh, okay. Well, you're going to have to go down to the to the barracks and um, tell the the police chief down there." And I said, oh, "Okay." So then we go down around the back into this big barracks which was like an army barracks and it had all these guys like training with big machine guns and everything so and in my limited spanish at the time i I tell the guy like banditos came and 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 robbed me and i need a and i need to get a police report and so this guy's gone okay yeah just wait here and I'll, i'll go get the chief he goes in the chief comes out with this really concerned face look on his face and he comes out and he's like oh like as in to say you got robbed in my town like oh what, yeah like gosh oh, shit a tourist yeah yeah he, and he came yeah. out is so genuinely ready to help really me. cared yeah so he comes in and he's like oh what happened what happened and i said oh yeah well um and i hadn't even thought up a story and i'm looking at mitch and mitch is freaking out and i go oh i was down the beach and um i was walking back from keep the talking point. i'm listening i put my surfboards down on the beach went for a swim and i said these banditos ran from the the little town that ran across the um because it was like quite a wide bit of sand it wasn't like just a normal walk it was like kind of like 300 meters or 400 meters of sand down to the water so they ran across that grabbed my surfboards and ran off sorry about that (laughs) and he goes right wait here and i'm like okay we're waiting next thing he whistles and these four troops run out with machine guns, jump in the back of this big F-100 pickup truck that's yeah. fully set up like um, like a big army but police vehicle thing with all the lights and all the stuff. So, they're standing in the back with their guns and he goes, get in. And the chief jumps in the front. Me and Mitch jump, <laughs> jump in the side. Mitch is freaking. He's looking at me like, what have you got me into? And the thing is, I haven't thought up a story. He's just gone, okay. So, he's gone, okay, take me down to where it happened. And I'm like... I didn't even know where it happened because it never happened. <laughs> so, I'm trying to make this up on the way. So, I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, down at La Punta, which is this point. I said, yeah, yeah, it was down there halfway. Um, And he goes, all right, let's go. So, we're driving along and I'm getting so nervous because we're in this police cop car with these guys in the back with big machine guns. And so, these guys are like locked and loaded. They're ready to locked go. Locked and loaded, ready to go to fight some banditos that you- robbed me. <laughs> <laughs> if you... If you were to point at someone, oh, my God. I know. Well, I wasn't going. I was yeah. freaking out myself. So, okay. So, we're going halfway. I'm sitting there freaking out. So, I'm trying to distract or like make light of the situation. Yeah. And he had all these buttons on the dash. And I'm like, oh, what do these buttons do? And he's like, oh, they're like the sirens and everything. And, and I'm like, oh, muy bien. Like, oh, this is good. And yeah. he's like, yeah, yeah, hit it. So, there was a truck in front of us. So, I hit the siren and the truck pulls over. 
Oh, wow. And then I just turned the siren off and we just kept, continued driving off. So, the truck thought we were pulling it over. So, suddenly you're like a kid having the time yeah, of his yeah, life. Yeah. Not thinking that you've just pulled four men who've yeah. probably got to arrest someone yeah, who's so, probably innocent. <laughs> no. So, then we go down the beach, right? And the cop's like, wait here, I'll get out and talk to the locals. So, he gets out and starts talking to some locals, get pointed at us and going, oh, um, yeah, these guys got robbed, blah, blah. And the locals are all really concerned. Oh, this is so bad. This doesn't really happen in this area. And I'm I'm sitting there, Mitch is looking at me getting so angry, going, what have you got me into? <laughs> and anyway, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm just, I'm fidgety. I'm fidgety. So I'm getting bored. I'm sitting there. They're uh, the police chief's off talking to some locals. And I open up the glove box in front of me. Yeah. And I open it up. And straight in the glove box is a nine millimeter pistol. Yeah. A big bag of marijuana <laughs> and a fucking Rubik's cube. And Mitch Mitch freaks out because sitting in front of us is this pistol. Like it would have been loaded for sure. Yeah. It was just this gun. And right as I've opened it, the police chief has walked over to my window to grab my attention, kind of thing. Yeah. And he's walked over and he's and he's put his hand on my arm. Next thing I've had this massive like shock that, oh my god, he's there. And I freaked out because I've got this open with marijuana and, yeah, and this yeah, yeah. Nine, this gun and this Rubik's Cube. And I'm like, oh, and I just picked the Rubik's Cube <laughs> up and I look at him and I go, Oh, muy difficile. As in like, oh, very hard. Like, like as in like I was trying to play with it. And he's like, Oh, yeah. And he's like, Oh, these So I shut the shut the Roll a joint. <laughs> We're gonna be a while. <laughs> And and um he's like, Oh, these these locals don't know anything. Let's um and so I'm thinking, Oh, cool, that's done. And he goes, No, nah, no, nah, we'll um let's go into town and, and go ask some people. So then he took us into town down in Zigatella. This was in Porto Escondida down in Oaxaca. Yeah. That's the whole uh, that's the Mexican pipeline. Yeah, Max, yeah, Max pipeline, really good waves, southwest of Mexico. So we go through town and I'd been in this town for two months at this stage. So people knew me. So he's gone. We go to the surf shop. We go to the ding repair guy. We go to the local cafe. We go down to the local hotel down on the beach. All same thing. Walks in, asks if anyone see my surfboards that I've been robbed. Tells the whole story. All these people have already know me. They're all real concerned. Like, oh my god, like I can't believe this happened to you. And I'm sitting there going, oh my god, like I've just made all this up just so I can get a police <laughs> report. Idiots. So this goes on for about two and a half hours. My ex girlfriend at the time, I told her I was just going up for um. <laughs> yeah, I was just going off to the shop. Yeah. <laughs> and I've gone. Yeah. Like, the whole ordeal went for about... By the time I got the police report, it went for probably about three and a half hours. But anyway, so he's ta- he well, takes wait, me so back... You, you got the police report in he, the end. He takes me back to the barracks. He gets the police... Gives me the police report. We get the collectivo back. As soon as we get back to the hotel, I look at the surf. I'm like, oh, surf's pumping. I'm going. So, I didn't... Not even thinking. Oh, no. I grab my board yeah. that's supposed to, supposedly got stolen. stolen. Wax it up and I'm running down the surf. And I just remember I'm running past the ding repair shop. The guy that they put like an hour before we were talking to that was really concerned about my board that had been stolen. Yeah. And I'm running past him with this board under my arm and he goes Giving to wave, wave to me. <laughs> and I just see this blank, confused look on his face like, what the fuck? <laughs> He must have got he must have got his boards back. Yeah. So then I um, so then anyway, I sent I sent my um police report away to um travel insurance. Yeah, denied and denied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've never tried that again. It was the biggest idea, but God, it was funny. But the thing was, it was the funniest experience. Like it was so much. At the end of the day, we we're freaking out. But it was so much fun cruising around in this um, in this police car. Yeah. <laughs> these- it's funny how you said um, when you open up the glove box and you see a gun and you get fully shocked about it because we're obviously in Australia, you know, well, we don't have them. We've got gun laws. We handed them in. Um, yeah, and yeah, when you see a gun, you get 
you get like not scared, but just like a little, oh. That's, it was normal to him. He didn't gun. even phase. Yeah, I'd well, open the glove box and there was a gun. That's just another me. culture of the world. You know what I mean? In in places like America or Mexico or anywhere, in any place where you can have guns, it's just not a big deal. When I was living in Bali one time, I had some friends come and see me. I was living in Sanua in Bali back in, I think this might have been in 2008. And they were at this hotel, this little small hotel in Sanur where no tourists even stay anymore. It's just like, it, it wouldn't even be there now. Like, yeah. It would have closed down. But I just remember we were there and we are hung over. Um, we got up this one morning, we are hung over and there were two policemen there playing checkers. Yeah. And we went and got a whole heap of KFC, I think it was, you know, get a bit of grease in our, our guts. And we came back and we had all this leftover KFC. So, we went up and said to the coppers, what do you want this? And and they were stoked. They were, absolutely, they were so happy. So, um, yeah, we gave them this KFC. Then they started talking to us and they're like, oh, um, I'm looking at him and he, he's got his gun strapped to him. I said, oh, you got your gun strapped to, you know, like kind yeah, of joking yeah. around like, oh, Will Smith, you know, like they just love that stuff. If you bad tell boys. Them that. Yeah. 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 They're like, bad boys. And then this guy like, oh, you want to play? Meanwhile... My mate Jimmy that I was with pulls out his phone and starts recording. And I literally have this on footage. This copper pulls out his gun, turns it around, hands it to me. I grab it and go, whoa. And then he goes, oh, wait. Grabs the gun back, pops it open, empties the barrel of bullets, closes it back up, hands me back the gun, and then looks confused. He looks down at the bullets in his hand and then goes, oh, and then hands me the bullets. <laughs> so now, so he's like, oh, in his mind, he's like, oh, I better not give a loaded gun to someone yeah. to play with. So he takes the gun back, unloads it, hands me the gun, and then goes, oh, here's the bullets, and then hands me the bullets. So then now I've got bullets in one hand and this gun in the other. Maybe maybe, he's, just like, maybe he's just say, oh, maybe he wants to play with the bullets, this this. <laughs> You know, 22-year-old who's, you know, got the mind of a 14-year-old <laughs> <laughs> wants to play with bullets. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, so before we started this, we were sitting there and we were talking about, um, we're talking about, obviously, you've had some crazy experiences oh, in the world. I've put myself in some really um, bad situations. Oh, not that I've meant to. It's just that wrong time, wrong place. It just happens, place. yeah. And... Um, Obviously, there's everyone's got crazy travel stories, or and in, in some of the places I've been, even I do as well. Um, being in like Peru and Mexico, I've got some hilarious ones. But um, you were telling me about how you went to Korea, went <laughs> snowboarding, and yeah, what happened there? Okay, this is being young, stupid, and naive, and a product of being Australian. Ah. so we're Australian. We don't really have snow. We don't really have cold weather. We have Threbo. It's a little <laughs> bit cold. Yeah, but on the scale of things, Canada, minus 40 winter, plus 40 summer. That's a big variance every day. We grew up on the Gold Coast. Winter's 10 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> like 3 a.m. in the morning, it hits 10 degrees, and we're like, oh, we're cold standing there with shorts on. Yeah, well, if the sun's jumper. out, we'll go lay on the beach Yeah. in winter. Yeah, I surf with board shorts in winter. <laughs> um, okay, so we're in Sri Lanka. A mate, Mitch, and I, and we're traveling. And a mate of ours, Jordan, had done an exchange program. He was at university and done a, a student exchange program to go to Seoul for six months. Yeah. In Korea and be at the university there. So, yeah. So, he messages us because we're in... And it's, it's winter over in, in Korea at the time. It's winter in Korea. And he messages said, oh, why don't you just come over and come snowboarding? I've never been snowboarding before. I'd only seen the snow once, I think, in Argentina at the time. Is Mitch like your travel partner? He was at the time. We did. 
When'd you break up? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Mitch, Mitch and I, well, we traveled together in Mexico. Yeah. I didn't see him. Then he came to, over to Western Australia and lived with me where we were working in the I mines to that, save yeah. more money to travel. Yep. And then I went again traveling and then he ended up meeting up with me for about six months and we and traveled just together. just naturally became partners. Yeah, we- not as we in, fit not together as in a dating so relationship. Well, no, it was kind of like a relationship. relationship. Yeah, no, we we definitely um, he's one of the funnest guys I've travelled with. But so we're in Sri Lanka. Jordan messages said, "Why don't you come over and come snowboarding?" And we're like, "Yeah, let's do that." So in Sri Lanka, on the side of the road, you have people selling clothes, and yep. they're all donated clothes. They mu- it must go to a, a central market in Colombo, like the. Yeah, you're saying this to me that um, you reckon or you, you thought that uh, places like Vinnie's or uh, Salvation Army uh, sends the clothes overseas. Well, they must some because of these countries. They, they had they had Vinnie's tags on them with $2, yeah. $3 tags. And I thought that was the price. And I was like, what? This is They got Vinnie's over here? Yeah, and you're it's saying- It's on you, the side of the road. Like as in they put a sarong down and just have a pile of clothes on it. So, they're basically buying or getting them for free and then reselling them on the yeah, street. Yeah, so which I thought was bad at the time, but it's actually- isn't it like okay so we give them oh well i don't say we but australia or vinnie's or whatever donate clothes they can't sell this is my theory of what happened yeah um to this country then that goes to the market then people buy them for probably really cheap and then sell them and so it creates a little mini economy over there now so we're like okay we need some clothes for winter in korea yeah, so your friend Jordan, he's he's in Korea. He's in Korea. He's, he's set up. He said, "Come over for for a snowboard." Yeah, and so we're like, yeah, "Okay, we'll be there in two weeks." So yeah. we book flights. So you're in Sri Lanka, and you've headed over to Korea. Okay. Well, we're like, well, we need clothes because it's winter in. Korea. So we go over, and we're looking and on the side of the road. Neither of you have ever been to the snow before. No, neither neither of us have experienced cold weather below zero degrees. So, oh, probably below five degrees. But so we go on the side of the road to get these clothes, and we find a pair of jeans each. Yeah, we find, and we're like, "Oh, that'll be fine for you know winter." And then we find these light sweat jackets, like the old eighties sweat jackets that are like kind of material. You know that like not like, like the sort of gangster like yes. data or Fubu type Fubu kind of type jackets, but thin ones, really thin or with Wu-Tang. a zip. Wu-Tang jackets. Yeah. And we're know. like, oh, this is perfect. These are jackets. They'll be fine to snowboard in. Yeah. We, this, to anyone, this is going to... To everyone else in the world, we're young, naive, and how, we've learned from our mistakes. How old were you? Just out of oh, curiosity. I think I was what probably your 23 or maybe 24. So, everyone thinks they're, they're smart when they're oh, 22, 23, but you don't realize you still have this a lot of learning to do. Well, yeah. You have a lot of exp- life experience to get through. <laughs> Like, oh, we're constantly learning. Like, it's just... But, okay, so anyway, so we fly over to Korea. First thing we learn is that we're not warm enough. So, Mitch and I decide, okay, let's go out and buy one jacket. And then... Because Jordan had a spare jacket. He's like, I have one spare jacket you can wear. We realized yeah. our clothes weren't thick enough. Wait, so, so, this, so hang on. Oh, this was on the second day we did this because I ended up in hospital. This we'll, get, <laughs> we'll get there. So, hang on, so you... You've been Sri Lanka, you've bought some terrible clothes. Terrible clothes. So jeans and some and some light uh, jackets. Light jackets. And you've flown to Korea. Flown to Korea. It's winter, you're in snow. Is it near the end of winter, you're saying? Um yeah, it was. It was So the snow's yeah, sort of just about to melt. Yeah, it was still in the mountains, it was still in full swing winter, but in the city. Yeah. Um it was the last week of the snow hill in the actual city of Seoul being being open. 
Yeah. So, so you buy a jacket. We buy these jackets. We fly to Korea. We land. As soon as we get to Jordan, he's got this. He's staying in this one little room where he's sleeping on the floor, Korean style, heated floor. But it's like one tiny little room, which is a little kitchen, little bathroom, little room, just enough for a bed to sleep. Yep. And all three of us, we could just kind of sleep on the floor. Now, first thing he does is like, all right, let's go snowboarding straight from picking us up from the airport. He's like, let's go snowboarding. So, we put our stuff in his room, went down, got on the bus and go onto this ski hill. And it's about 8 o'clock at night, minus 13 so, degrees. So, you've gone straight from the plane, straight onto the snowfields. Yes. Okay. Minus 13 degrees. Yep. I'm wearing jeans and a light jacket. Never snowboarded before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> We go. It's so funny how much we're falling over. It's so funny. Anyway, so we go straight up in the gondola, start snowboarding. We're falling over heaps as you do first time you're doing things. Now, after that, I think the second run, I got this chill. And I said to the boys, I'm like, I'm just, I'm getting really cold. Like, I need to, I need to do something. Like, is there a room or like, is there somewhere I can go? And Jordy goes, oh, at the top of the gondola. Yeah, there's a, um, I know there's a little house up there, you know. Um, oh, it was a little restaurant, I think, in the day, but it was closed at night or whatever. He's like, yeah, there's a little yep. place you can go hang. So I was like, well, you guys do a couple of runs. I'm just going to hang here and I just need to get warm. So anyway, I go in this room and I sit there for maybe about 45 minutes while the other guys are still doing some runs and I just can't get warm. And I'm just sitting there, I'm so cold and not thinking any, anything of it. Anyway, so then the boys come back and I go, oh, I'm not feeling too good, eh? I'm just real cold and I can't get, can't get warm there. And Jordan's like, well, we've got to go anyway because the last bus is leaving soon. So, all right, so we strap back on and snowboard down, go down. I just remember waiting for the bus and this is when stuff got weird. I just remember I started tripping out. Like I, I started having no perception of reality. Plus, I got the chills and the shakes really bad. So, we get on the bus. So, you've been snowboarding. You've fallen over in the snow. You've gotten cold. I've gotten cold. Got bad clothes on. Yeah, got, you've got really the worst cold, clothes you could probably wear. And I've got a chill, and my bo- whole body's got the shakes. Like Wait, so the you went snowboarding shakes. in jeans, and a <laughs> jeans and a light jacket. <laughs> so we go back okay. to Jordan's place, and I'm like, "Oh, I just need to get back to your place and have a hot shower, and I'll be right." Were you feeling ill at all? Yes. Yeah. But I didn't. I didn't connect didn't the know. two. Yeah. I just. So we got back to his place, and first thing I do is jump in a hot shower. Yeah. And I get out. And I've just my shakes have gotten worse. I've just got uncontrollable shakes. And I go go to him like you need to you need to crank the heat, man. It's really cold in here. Like I've just got to get warm. And they're like, what are you talking about, dude? So I'm like, can you just crank the heat? So I end up on the, this heated floor with every doona and every jacket that we could find on top of me on this heated floor. It was that hot in the room that the boys were down to their underwear. They were sweating. Yeah. And they're like, what's wrong with you, dude? Like, they thought I was just having it on. They're like, what is wrong with you? Like, And I'm like, I am so cold. It's ridiculous. I can't get warm. Like, And I've had these uncontrollable shakes. But then I start tripping out, hallucinate. I start talking, not making sense. I'm saying all these. I don't know what I was saying. Like, it's probably it would probably be pretty funny to hear it from them. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Jordan just turns to me and just goes, dude, you've cooked it. We need to take you to the hospital. So, you've something's cooked it. Something's, you, something's definitely wrong. So... They carry me down. By this stage, I get up and I can't even walk. Like, And I've got these uncontrollable shakes, like body shakes. So, your body's like sort of slowly shutting down in a way. It must have been, yeah. So, we get... They, I'm, not, I'm not a doctor or anything, but yeah. it sounds like you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like I'm going down pretty quickly. <laughs> so, the boys carry me down. We get in a taxi and they take me to the, to the emergency. Yeah. 
We're going to the emergency. No one can really. Jordan can speak a little bit of Korean, and they're just like, "Oh, he's drunk. He'll be right." Can you remember this? Like, I the can taxi remember rides? bits of it. Bits of it. I can remember getting in the taxi. I can remember them being confused at the hospital. They put me in this room. They put me down on this bed and put a whole heap of blankets on me. And I just remember looking up and Jordan saying, "He's not drunk. He hasn't had any drunk drugs. He hasn't drank anything. He." We've just been snowboarding. He's really cold and he's being um, delusional. So, the, so the sort of language barrier. And is, they're not taking tough. it seriously. And they're like, oh, okay, well, maybe we'll do a piss test and see what happens. Yeah. And so, the boys have got me up. And this part I remember. This was a dramatic time in my life. So, <laughs> it, no, it was. So, I've gotten up. And they've taken Jordan and Mitch have helped me into this bathroom. Now, you had the waiting room for emergency. Then you had this hallway straight in front of the waiting room and you had a bathroom door in there. Yeah. So, I'm walking down the hallway and you can see everyone's looking at me because I'm this white dude in the emergency area. And you're freaking out. Yeah. And I go in and I just remember the boys take me to the trough and Jordan pulls down my pants down to my knees for me. And goes, here's the cup. So you couldn't even you couldn't work. No, your body I was at all. like, no, I was just like, I don't know, I was just out of it. Yeah. And the boys go, here's the cup, piss in the cup, we'll be outside. So he walks outside, and I start pissing in this cup. Next thing, I feel myself starting to pass out. Like I feel, felt the, I felt myself going weak, like everything kind of dissolving, and I felt like I was going to pass out. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, I'm going, I'm going down. I'm thinking, oh my god, I'm in, in this bathroom. So I start walking out and I open the door and as I open the door, I collapse in the hallway with my pants down, <laughs> with my dick still pissing. <laughs> <laughs> and all I remember is hitting the deck and all these people freaking out in the emergency room. Oh, I forgot one small part. I had a drip in my arm with the drip. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. they had put a drip on me. Oh, so, and you're had, holding onto a drip That's pole. what I was holding onto to hold myself up yeah. when I was pissing. And I felt myself, so I'm holding onto the drip pole, it's in my arm. I walk out with pants around my knees, so I'm passing out. And as I pass out, I pass out in the hallway, that goes down. So, you, you're still like conscious and you're like, I'm going to pass out. Yeah. I need to, I need to, I need to get I help. need to get out, yeah. And so, you've walked out with your pants down. Yeah. And the cup, piss cup's gone everywhere. My dick was still pissing. <laughs> Jordan and Mitch have run over and a couple of other people go, we need help, we need help, start... Um, trying to pick me up. This is the part they've told me. Now, I've come to with, no joke, about 10 people around me. So, you've passed out completely. I've passed yeah. out. I've come to with about 10 people around me. They're picking me up and putting me on a stretcher. There's needles getting jammed in me left, right and center. Do you know what they were What they were putting in you? I have no idea what Did they, they were putting in you. Did they tell you what they, they were putting in you? Um. No, not at the time. Okay. And I don't, there was such a language barrier. And they, the thing was, they just thought I was drunk. So, they start sticking needles in me. I don't know what it was or whatever. They put, anyway, um, I just remember looking up and it was the first time in my life I've never had control of my body. Right. I've never had, I didn't have any control and I looked up. Could you feel and my like, body? Could you feel your arms and your legs and stuff? I can't remember. Yeah. All I know is that. My whole body, this part I could feel. I don't know what was happening when I came to, but this part, my whole body went into shock. Yep. I started shaking and I, my whole body went into shock and went into one big cramp yep. from my neck. Completely stiff. 
completely stiff. I just remember my arms out and my legs out and I was completely stiff. I couldn't move and my whole body was uncontrollably shaking. Were you alone in there or like was it just you and doctors? And um, I think Mitch and Jordan were around and there was about 10 doctors or nurses or whatever. Yeah. And then they're rushing me, like all running with the stretcher into this room and I've gone into this full, like I'm frozen. I'm like, yeah. I was fit and I thought I was going to die. My heart was jumping out of my chest like... So, I was in a lot of pain from this cramp. I don't know. So, my body had gone into shock. Now, you, you were telling me, you, you mentioned something when you told me this before that um, the guys were trying to get your family on the phone because they thought you were going to die. Yeah. So, I'm in this room and they're running out. I remember they came in with this big drip of antibiotics. It was like a liter or two liters of any. I don't it was, it was a big bag. Yeah. And she stuck it in my arm and she Did squeezed it. Did they do the squeeze? Get, yeah. I was thinking they're going to do the squeeze on you. It was so painful. And at the time, my ex-girlfriend, um, Kel, was back in Australia and I'm going to Mitch like I was. I thought I was going. I was looking in. This is what was scariest. I was looking in my best mate's eyes and he was looking straight into my eyes with so much fear. He had so much fear in his eyes looking, looking at me and that's what scared me the most because I've never been... Well, I had no control of my body. My body's just gone into this whole spasm. I have no idea what's going on. Doctors have no idea what's going on. Mitch is looking at me with this fear in my eyes like he's losing his best friend. I'm sitting there and I start freaking out. I'm 23 or 24. Yeah, 24. And I start... Um, I think... I remember Mitch holding my hand. I'm pretty sure we we'll both like had tears in our eyes. Yeah. And I was there going, call Kel. You need to call Kel. You need to call Did he get hold mom. of your family at all? So, yeah, no, they're on the phone trying to call back Australia and they can't get hold of anyone. They can't get through. They, someone in the emergency room gave them their phone. Yeah. And they're trying to call through. Anyway, all these doctors are doing tests on me. Anyway, they get my – they ended up – whatever they injected me, calmed me down. They got me something calm. My body kind of relaxed and went back yeah. to normal and then I was tripped down. They ended up doing all Can these you, tests on me. And you could – like, were you functioning? Like, could you By see then, what yeah, was I, happening? I started coming to – yeah, from, from coming to – yeah. I have the whole memory of after I passed out and not going through all the shock and everything. So, what did it end up being? Um, so, it ended up being that I got pneumonia. I ended up with hypothermia and that's why I went into shock, I'm pretty sure. So, I had hypothermia yeah. and then I end result, I ended up with pneumonia. So, Holy I left shit. there with pneumonia because I, I got, um, I think it was fluid on my lungs or something. I don't know. But I my body went into hypothermia. Holy shit. <laughs> So it was a big learning curve. Since then, I've learned. Like I lived in Canada well, for years, and I've done snow seasons. And I'm I've, glad you learned I've, something. I've learned, but yeah, it's like. So what was the uh, big lesson there? <laughs> you get a bit more prepared when you go to a country. Maybe read up on it a bit. Exactly. Well, climate—that's a big thing. I do get myself prepared for climate now. So it was more the naive, completely thing naive. of just obviously living in Queensland. You've got the perfectly warm weather almost all year round, except for maybe a, maybe four weeks of winter. Well. And just being young and just thinking you can deal with anything. You're like, oh, I'll be cold. No, I'll be right. You know, because we've never actually experienced that level of coldness. Like I just it was thought minus, I'd deal with it It was minus 13 degrees that night and I was up on a ski hill in snow. Yeah. With very light clothes on, like clothes that I would wear for maybe 15 degrees. Yeah. Plus 15. This is Celsius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fahrenheit would be even colder, but no, it's like, you know, like, so it was just very stupid and... um. Oh, definitely now. It's, that's something that I did learn in Canada. I remember, well, living in Canada, I lived in in between Canada and Indonesia for two and a half years. And when we moved back to Australia, it was in, in winter. And the first day, we're down Lennox Head, down on the point, 
um, watching the surf, and there was all these locals there, and it was a cold, overcast day. But I wasn't that cold. This is Lennox, had, this is Lennox, New South Wales. Yes, yeah, Northern. And I had thick socks on, boots, jeans, um, shirt, and jacket, and I was so warm. And I'm looking at everyone standing there freezing, going, oh, my God, it's so cold. I remember looking at this one guy. He had a shirt, a jumper, a jacket, a scarf, and a beanie. Then he had short shorts on, nothing on his legs, <laughs> nothing on his feet. And I'm just thinking, God, well, we are so naive in Australia because that's the first thing in Canada is like thick socks, boots, like keep your feet warm, yeah, well, they say on your head. They say the three like entry points for, for either cold or heat is... You know, your feet, your hands, and your uh, your head. Yeah. Well, I was, I've been colder in Australia more than what I ever have been in Canada. And the reason why is because I'm always prepared in Canada. Uh, in Australia, you're not. You're just like, ah, oh, whatever. But I think you, you always, like, climatize to, um, to you do your climatize. place. So, but you the, learn. You yeah. learn in Canada. Like, you've got to, you've, well, you've got to be prepared because otherwise you're going to go out and you're going to freeze to death. A lot of um, Australians, they've got a problem in Whistler which is pretty much predominantly Australian. It's a ski hill in Canada, if anyone doesn't know. <laughs> but it's predominantly Australian. All the Australians work the ski hills there. So, the tourism is mainly yeah. Australians. Now, they have a, a big problem with Australians going over there, getting drunk and passing out in the street and freezing. Yes. Because we haven't learned that you just can't do that. You know, you just can't do that. We just don't... We aren't aware of that climate. Yeah. So, I yeah. Think- Definitely yeah, a learning like, curve. The funny thing is, yeah, I, I totally get what you mean. Like Australians go, and or I'm sure other countries do it as well. But yeah, people go to places like like Canada, and you get drunk, and you I don't know if you forget, but you just don't realize. Hang on, I'm in a different country. I need to think a bit more smart. I need to think a bit travel smart. Yeah. And yeah, as you said, people pass out in the snow and. Yeah, you can die. It's, it's <laughs> it, you don't think things. about it. you don't think about it. it's not something you think about. Like you're getting drunk, you'll pass out. You don't think, oh shit, I'm in the snow, I'm gonna die. Yeah, it's not something that crosses your mind. Like I, I had the most innocent thing. I did the most innocent thing that got that nearly got me killed. And, um, and you were there. You were there. We we're in um, we we're in Peru. Uh, we we're in. I remember um, this. Night. I think it's called Punta Hermosa. Punta Hermosa. Punta Hermosa. Yeah, Hermosa? south of. Oh, Hermosa, Hermosa. Yeah, south of... Um, south of Lima. Lima. And we were there. It's a little surf town. And and we got... It was the last night that we were going to... I think we were going to be together. And we all got pretty drunk. And we'd been... The night before, the two nights before, that we'd been partying at a few discos that were sort of off... <laughs> Disco town. Well, yeah, sort of yeah. like out near the highway. Yeah. And... um. And I was basically like, I wanted to go out. I wanted to party and have a good time. This is once again being young, naive, and, and not thinking. Yeah. And and basically, nobody wanted to go. Yeah, you went out by yourself. Yeah, and I was so drunk. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. Yeah, I remember this. You going, fuck it. I'm going to go. And we're like, no, dude, don't go Yeah, by everyone's yourself. like, don't go. Don't, don't be silly. And then you're like, and I obviously, I, I wasn't listening to anyone. I'm thinking... My my brain's thinking like I'm at home. If I want to go out, I'll just get in a cab and go out. So I, I will. I left the hostel. There's obviously no cabs around, and I was like, oh, well, I'll just walk there. It's 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 not that far. I walk everywhere. You know what I mean? And from from memory, it's probably about two three kilometers to the to the discos. And I've I've left the hostel, and. If if you can try and picture it, you've got a beach, you've got some really nice uh, 
like hotels and sort of rich neighborhood. And then directly behind it, you've got complete slums. Yeah. If you remember it. And just two roads coming in. Yeah. So, and I, I knew that um, the discos lined up with the road on the right. And I was so hammered when I walked out. I thought I was walking down the right road. I walked down the road on the left. And in the middle, you've got slums. So, I've walked all the way down to the road, realized I'm on the wrong road. So, I was like, you know, oh, well, it's only about 400 meters down. I'll just walk through the slums. Which sometimes you want to do. Yeah. Just to experience it anyway. Oh, definitely. You're like, well, especially when you've got a bit of alcohol, your judgment. Yeah, definitely. Goes out the I'm, door I'm not saying like, like don't go to slums or don't go mm. exploring. I'm I'm always open for that. But but it was I think about ten o'clock at night, and I was completely hammered. I'm walking along, and and I'm just more, I, there's just it's dead silence. And I'm walking along. I'm thinking, yeah, I'll just get to the discotheques. And I'm about halfway through these uh, slums, and I um and I sort of just took a look over my shoulder, and I noticed that uh, two guys had come out young guys but they'd they'd come out and were were sort of following the way i was going and i've kept walking didn't think anything of it just trying to sort of act normal and then i realized oh they've they've gained on me really (laughs) quickly like really quickly i was like all right and then uh they i started hearing oh amigo amigo oh i hate that (laughs) yeah so and so i was i was like oh okay they're trying to talk to me and i've I've gotten to the road. I can see the discotheques, but there's no one around. It's just discotheques, nothing, me, slums, and these two guys. So, I've stopped because these guys kept yelling out. I think I've got a police car going past our building. <laughs> I can't yeah. see it, but I can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but basically, basically, um, I, I had a... Uh, waited I, I waited for these guys to catch up because they were yelling at amigo which is usually is it fr- i believe it's friend yeah friend amigo, amigo so i thought maybe they want to talk to me maybe they want something i'll just stop i'll act normal and um here comes oh, that oh there Ooh, cross an ambulance. Touch wood. Cross <laughs> touch wood. sorry an ambulance has just driven by <laughs> just what i was trying to avoid and <laughs> comes straight fast um so yeah so i these two guys are caught up to me they yelled at amigo and I sort of stopped and um, he started talking to me in Spanish. I obviously didn't have uh, hardly any Spanish at all. I had the basic of basics to get by. And um, as he's talking to me, I realize he's got a giant two by four piece of wood in his hand. And and I was like, oh, you know, I sort of pointed at it and like, what's going on with that? And, you know, I, in any language, he knew exactly what I was saying. He's like, I'm like, why have you got a big <laughs> bit of wood in your hand? <laughs> and... um. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, and walking towards me, shaking his hand in front of my face, going, no, 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 no. everything's fine. Like, yeah. calm down. And, uh, and then the other guy is starting to, like, sort of circle around me. Right? And, and I've, just, I've just gone, oh, shit. Something, you know, like, the like, alarm bells just got exploded. And, uh, he's, and I've just seen him raise that bat and he's going to swing. And I've just sprinted between the two of them and started running back the way I came. Because all I could think was, is get back to the hostel, get my friends. Like, you know, yeah, I, mean, I needed yeah. to get out of there. And I am, I was super scared. Like, I mean, people, you know, people are tough. People are strong. There's times when you stand your ground. There's times that you don't. It was pitch black. Well, it's in a different in, country. In a too. different country. That, that scares you even yeah. more. Like, if it was in Australia, you know how stuff works. You know how people are. You know how to read people. You can speak the language. Exactly. You know the culture. You know how to kind of deal with certain situations. 
Over yeah. there, you don't. And I had you no, know what they're capable of. No idea what was going to happen. So, I, I said, maybe I could have. Maybe I could have fought back and got myself out of it. But then what happens after that? I'm in the middle of the slums in their town. So, I ran. Split second decision made it. Ran. And I remember running. And I remember running so fast and hard. All right. And I'm thinking, what if they were actually like just generally trying to talk to me? <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I've looked back and I'm just thinking, I hope I look back and they're still, you know, 200 meters down the road going, what the hell is that all about? And I've looked back and they're running after me. <laughs> 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 and like, he's chasing me with a two by four in the air <laughs> down the street. And I'm just thinking if someone was watching this from a distance, it'd be hilarious. <laughs> he's, he's yelling out, it's not what you think. It's not what yeah, you think. Yeah. Well, no, they weren't yelling <laughs> no. anything. They were trying to keep up. No. And I was still pretty young and- yeah. You know, I was fit in a way that I could run fast. And I remember seeing him and going, shit, keep running. I remember like my like my legs were burning. Like, cause you know, when you run oh, top the speed, adrenaline the starts adrenaline through it. The adrenaline's what got me through. I remember, don't you fucking stop. If you fucking stop, you're gonna have to either fight your way out of it or they're gonna fucking kill you. Either way. And so I'm like, oh, I'm fucking freaking. So I get to the end of the road, they dropped off because they couldn't keep up. <laughs> Because I had the fucking, I had mum's, also had mum's like, you know, uh, voice in my head going, whatever happens, don't you fucking run. You can run. You fucking run out of there. Yeah. My mum getting in, it was in my head and I was just so scared. And so, I've gotten to the end, um, back to the main road that I was at, that I walked up originally. And they're in this town, they had little security in different sections. Now, the security was for the, um, for the, the sort of, Rich people on the beach. Yeah. They had little security boxes around the place. That, that security was everywhere. And do you remember that they had beaches for yep. the rich and beaches for beaches the poor? Beaches for the rich and beaches and that, for the poor. So that security wouldn't let you go down yep. the beach. And you go down. And so there was all the Spanish looking, all the high class, the one with the more Spanish blood. And I don't know if you remember, but we went down there with one of the young guys who worked at the, at the um, hostel. And he said, to us, I can't go. They're not going to let me on the beach. Yeah. And we went, oh, okay. And we just, I think we went with him. And I remember we went surfing down at one of the, the poor beaches mm. and everyone down there was like the more Inca, the more um, Inca looking people, like, you know, the more um, indigenous. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then you go to the other beach and it's all this, Spanish, you know, it was this really high class, low class. Yeah. It was a weird town. It was so, a very weird town. But I know those security guards that you're talking about. Yeah. So, there's this, there's this security guy there. So, I've seen this security. I'm like, holy shit, help. So, I've ran over. I think I was like, you know, dos. Dos, uh, uh, dos, uh, bandito, amigos, or like, <laughs> like two friends trying to attack me. <laughs> like, I was trying to figure it out. And, um, and they're sort of giggling, which you would, yeah. I think, in, if in most countries. So they're like, they're like, uh, you know, these, he kept, he put his hand on me. He's like, calm down, calm down. You know what scares me in these situations? Yeah. In countries like that, sometimes you don't know who's in bed with who. Well, just you wait. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> just you wait. I'm glad you said. So, I've I've basically said I was basically trying to say that I've been attacked. I'm staying at um the Lucifer Hostel. Great name. Staying at the Lucifer Hostel. You know, I kept saying Lucifer Hostel to him, and he's like, and he's like, and he he didn't have the best English, but he was like, oh, I take you, I take you. So they radioed on their radio, and this sort of security car shows up. Looks like a police car, a security car. And um, it's a four-wheel drive thing. And he, they put me in the back and I sit down. I finally, like, start catching my breath. Yeah, start relaxing. And I'm sort of, you know, you know, sort of just trying to make sense of it. And anyway, we're driving along this road. 
And they're just chatting away in the car, having a laugh. And then I look to my left and I realize, I realize the two guys that chased me were like, like in the adjacent street in the inside the slums following the car. And I'm like, I'm like, holy shit, they're still there. They're walking with me. Like they're walking with the car. And these guys are driving like super slow. Like they're not doing any, like, it's like they're not even accelerating. They're just like sort of like rolling. Along, rolling along. And I was like, come on, like fucking, you know, get me back to my hostel. Anyway, they're driving along and there's like a little, there's like a little dip down and dip up, right? And as we're just getting to the dip, I can see the hostel. I can see it. And I'm like, Lucifer Hostel, I'm pointing out. And they're like, yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. Sort of everything's okay. You know what they do? Take a left turn into the slums. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm going, hang on, what the fuck? So they've turned into the street where I've seen these guys walking with me. And I'm freaking out. I'm going, hang on, this isn't right. There's something not right. So because they were going so slow... I kicked the. I just. I didn't kick the door, but I opened the door and I jumped out of the fucking car <laughs> while it was rolling, and I've just landed on my feet. And they've just turned around in complete shock, and I've sprinted into this little alleyway, and it came to like this two meter drop, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And I was like, "I so either I do, the, I jump off this drop, or I go back to the car." So I went, "Fuck it," just jumped, and I landed in this like garden bed, and I rolled out of this garden bed, and I've just stood up, and there's about six or seven like street cleaners <laughs> in this little dip cleaning the street and they've just in complete shock and i've just gone white dude and yeah this white guy has just dropped out of like you know a two meter high you know building area and they're just like they're like what the fuck and i've just gone oh no nah. <laughs> <laughs> and just and just taken off and um and then i just i remember there was a empty lot in the back of uh behind the hostel and the um I remember this line. And uh there was just this little brick wall. Right? And I was like, right. And I couldn't get in the hostel. Someone had to let you in. Yeah, they had a curfew. Yeah, they you had, had a to curfew. ring the bell. They had to ring the bell. So after I, ten. After I obviously 10, went it? to the front door and I rang the bell as many times as I could. No one came. So I'm panicking that either the guys are gonna show up or the cops are gonna show up, freaking out. And um anyway, I uh I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go jump the fence into that back lot. At least I'll be safe and I'll try and figure out what to do next. So, I've gone to try and jump the fence. Now, when you're in places like South America, I find that you'll know, you'll know this from other Broken countries. Broken glass on the they, fence. Yeah, they <laughs> seem to... They seem smash to beer bottles and put it into the concrete. Smash bottles and yeah, they, I don't know if they cement it into the concrete. Yeah. So, on the top of these fences, they have all these glass glass like broken bits of glass so i've had to get a rock and start smashing away at this trying to chip it down so it's good enough that i can put my hands on and lift myself over so i spent like i was hammered i was so drunk but i don't know how long it took but i smashed a fair bit of glass out (laughs) and i jumped this fence nobody came in the whole time all right and i was like shit if somebody saw me do that i'm in a foreign country some security guy's going to shoot me dead because he thinks i'm breaking into the place but yeah, so I've smashed my way into this empty lot. Now, in this empty lot, there were there was just like br- uh, bricks and like building material everywhere. And I'm sitting there going, shit, how am I going to get back into my hostel? The hostel walls are like three or four meters tall. They're really high. And I was like, how am I going to get back in? And I found these, these wooden ladders were just sitting in there. It was just like, it was something out of a movie. It was just perfect. <laughs> and I've stuck these wooden ladders on the wall climbed up with one of the ladders and dropped the other ladder on the other side, dropped back down and went back into the hostel. 
And I just went straight to bed and laid down and I was just like, what the fuck just happened? And I didn't tell, I didn't say anything to anyone because I, I, I knew I was going to get sprayed, but it was the last time I was going to see you guys. So I didn't want to. And you would have slept well because the adrenaline. Yeah. And Every I, time- would, I remember laying down and being absolutely exhausted and passing out. Oh my God. Yeah. And none of you knew. <laughs> no one knew. <laughs> I think I told you, you maybe. A, were you, you were on the later. bunk under me. Were you on the bunk I under me? I think I was me? on the bottom. Yeah. We were playing musical beds a bit, but I remember, yeah, you were on the bottom bunk. Yeah, and the next morning, and this is the the weirdest part of this whole story. The next morning, I said goodbye to you guys, and because that was the last time we're gonna see each other. And um, I went to the bus stop because I was going to the airport. And I'm um, sitting at the bus stop, and these two guys walk past, young, pretty young guys. And I'm just thinking, I was looking at them, and I'm thinking, fuck, they look, they fit the exact description of those two guys that trying to fucking get me. And one of them looks at me. Talks to his friend, looks back at me and has a big laugh <laughs> and then keeps walking. And I was like, I fucking think that was him. <laughs> but like the point of the story sort of is, is, um, is, and I always say it to anyone is, is travel smart. Yeah. Because even the littlest thing is I'm going to go to the nightclubs on my own and drunk as fuck. And look what happened. Just say, yes. Okay, here's a tip. Here is a travel tip, travel 101. So many people make this mistake. They go they go out. They, they Okay, they arrive in... Bali's the perfect example. They arrive in Bali so excited. Yeah. As soon as they get there, they go out and get on the piss. Are you going to be thinking you're in your own country still? Well, they don't know the address of their hotel. This happens all the time. They go out and get maggot and then they're drunk and have no idea how to get back to their hotel. Yeah. They have no idea how to give directions. They forget the name of it. They forget. Yeah, every, the other thing that they do is that in Australia or in the West, we've got our wallet and we've got our bank cards, our license, blah, blah. Yeah. Get rid of all that crap, right? Because if yeah, you lose you your wallet, you're, you're done. Yeah. I always have two bank cards on me, but one will be in my bag. They'll be in two separate places. So, if I lose a bag or I lose something, I've got the other one for money. So often, I'm lending people money or, trans- or people are transferring money into my account so I can take money out of the ATM for them because they go out on the pit or something happens or they get pickpocketed and they had everything on them in the one in the one wallet kind of thing. Just don't do it. Put what you need in your wallet, like some money for the night, and go out. Because at the end of the day, you don't need... Maybe you need a bank card, maybe, but just put enough cash with you. You don't need all your bank cards. You don't need your, your ID, nothing. Or maybe a ID. Yeah. It's just the amount of people like... Well, you're a target. Straight up, you're a target. So, people are looking for you to Always. pickpocket... To, to in any, in to every country you. I went to, yeah. you're always a target. No you're a target because you can you stand out. Yeah, think, you're a white if dude. you think when you're in your when you're here in Australia, and you can you can spot someone who's traveling, mm. you, you can spot someone straight away. Yeah, and you know, obviously, you're not trying to pickpocket them, but uh, you know, there's the pickpocketing or the robbing or you know, bad situations that can happen. They'd happen a lot. Yeah, it actually, yes. And so the thing is, that shouldn't discourage anyone from traveling. Not it just at means all. You just got to be aware and just be I, a bit smarter. I have to like, don't let that story that I just told like scare anyone from going to Peru or that town. Peru is amazing. Like, Peru, Peru is, a is lot an safer. incredible country. People always say to me, "Oh, Mexico, it's so dangerous." And actually, Mexico is the probably safest place I went to in Central. It definitely has some crazy parts. It has some crazy parts, some definitely dangerous parts. But I mean, your your Caribbean side is amazing, and it is so it's so tourist. They're so used to it. Yes, bad things can happen. Like I have, I, 
you know, little dangerous plays, things happen there as well. But it is so safe and the people are so amazing. And people are amazing. What I like about Mexico compared to parts of Asia is that I found that you could develop a lot easier. You could develop genuine relationships with people as in like people liked you for you rather that they just go, oh, in Asia, they look at you with dollar signs that you, you're a traveler, you must have some money, so blah, blah, and they kind of pretend to be your friend because of that, and it's not genuine. In Mexico, I found anyway, especially in the Southwest, and this would be different all over, but my experience, my own experience, yeah. and everyone, that's what's cool about traveling. Everyone has an individual experience, but well, my definitely. experience Someone's was, definitely had an experience where they're like, fuck you, Mexico was horrible, Asia was amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's and just oh, your, They're both it's amazing. Your, but, um, they're both amazing, but yeah, it's but just the experience that you've had. Exactly, and my experience with the with the locals there was, was that they didn't give a fuck that I was some white dude from Australia that they didn't, you know, in, in Asia, they look at you like you must have all this money. I was a cheap traveler. I didn't have much money. But in Mexico, they were just like, I don't give a fuck. They either like you or don't like you. Yeah. And I found because of that, I was able to have some genuine friendships there and genuine relationships. I had the very similar experience. Um, I came back, I think I spent three months in Mexico, two and a half, three months. And... I, I came back with with friendships. I've still got I've still got them today. I'm not talking to them every day or anything, but yeah. you know we still comment here and there on things on Facebook. You stay in touch, and the Mexican people genuinely were interested in you, where you were from, who you are, mm. and they wanted to know about you. And they were so their hospitality is so welcoming. Oh, so, so well, welcoming. I remember um, a mate of mine. He bought a motorbike. Jared Pye. I'm I'm, I'm going to get him on. Because he rode a motorbike um, from Mexico down to Panama. And then on another nice. trip, he went, um, he's filmed a doco about it. He went and um, bought a horse in Colombia. Never ridden a horse before. Learned, spent three months on a ranch learning how to ride a horse and then rode across Colombia on, on horseback. Him, wow, him really? And mate. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, yeah, definitely get him on. That'd be but, a great story. Yeah, but when he was learning how to ride the bike, him and I were going up north to Jacawa surfing to this uh, little island thing. And it was a couple hour trip each way on the bike. And we got caught in this storm. And we're freezing. We tried to kind of, the storm got so heavy. We tried to get, um, go for a safe haven. We pulled up in this kind of like carport of this house. And this old lady came out. And she's like, it's all in Spanish, but she was just like, oh, you boys must be so cold, you know, come in, come in. And she straight up like had all this food and just started making us food. And, and yeah. then we tried to give her some money after she fed us and got us warm, put towels on us and everything. And she wouldn't accept any money. She was just this little old lady and she just wanted to help. And that's what was really cool. You know, it was genuine. We're in Asia, that doesn't happen as much. Yeah. It's well, more like, like everything's like got you a said, it's, it's an experience thing. Mm. But I do find in a lot of countries um, like, like South America or Central America or, and, and Asia as well, that um, compared to some of the Western countries, that people are more open to bringing you into the house when they have no idea who you are. While in Australia, you sit there and go, oh, is this guy safe? Yeah. Yeah. They love it. Yeah. In Asia, especially, they love taking you into their house. They love it. <laughs> um, well, we're getting a bit into it, so we're going yeah. to wrap it up. Should we wrap this up? Indeed. Yeah. No worries, man. See you later. See you later. That was so much fun. That was way too much fun. I didn't want to end it. <laughs> that was so much fun. Holy fuck. Just said. Dari apa, dari cinta, dari apa, dari cewek, bertualang baru di sini, dari apa.
Yeah, do it like a double.